Welcome to Thrive HR, a podcast by Thrive Pass. In this show, we sit down with industry leaders to explore the world of HR and everything it has to offer. I'm your host, Andreas Deptola. With us over the last two years, we've all gone through and we continue to go through the pandemic. And it's really come to light the efforts our employees have gone above and beyond to serve our communities dealing with this pandemic. On today's episode of Thrive HR, Andreas talks to McCain Johnson, Director of Benefits at Alina. They dive into the importance of prioritizing employee wellness. They also discuss strength admits adversity and what that strength has meant for Alina throughout the pandemic. McCain, it's a pleasure to have you on the on the show today. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. And I will, I will ask with one of my typical questions here, McCain, tell us something that your team at Alina doesn't know about yourself. Ooh, that's a, an excellent question. And it's ironic because me and my team, and I should say our team, really, we have done this activity before as a group. So telling each other something that we don't know about each other. And, and I had a hard time coming up with anything then. And I think I provided that I may have been in 4-H at one time. But I, I really can't think of anything again. I would say though, you know, I tried to pride myself being fairly transparent with the members of the team. And and so I think try not to hide anything. But yeah, it's I, I apologize. I can't really think of anything. That's good. That, that, that's a first. That that certainly make, makes it interesting. But let me let me maybe ask you this is you know the, the transparency being an open book is that something that you would say is something that defines you? That is something that, you know, over time in your team, you know, was established? Or is that a broader thing that you see at the organization at Alina? Ooh, well, so for me, I think it is something that I have focused on over my career. You know, I've always appreciated when leaders were very transparent with me. So, you know, that is something I, I wanted to do when I when I was in a leadership position. So, but I would also say that, you know, Alina has made a lot of efforts to be, Alina Health has been made a lot of efforts to be transparent with employees. And I think, so it's a combination of, you know, my personal approach, but also I think as an organization, Alina Health is like that as well. Yeah, it resonates, right? And like on, on my yep. side, like the, I also believe that that builds trust over time, right? With yeah. the team, with, with the employees. And I always you know, tell my employees, they they can ask me any any question, right? And they will get three kinds of answers. Either it's like, hey, here's, here's the truth, right? Here's, here's the answer. And that's like 99% of the case uh, thing. Sometimes it's, I don't know, right? And I think that, that that's also the that's answer. Right. And be transparent about that. And then... They're like, but let, let, let's find out what that is. And, and then there are very rare cases for like legal reason or whatnot. We, we can't address something and, you know, that obviously needs to be respected. But, you know, I, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. And I would also say that I, I asked the, the people I work with as well to be transparent with me in terms of, you know, especially, you know, if we have an approach, a strategy, somebody has a differing opinion. I, I really approach asking them for those opinions because it's important that we, we, 
kind of understands everyone's perspective and, and as a team collectively kind of may determine the best approach for whatever we task we have at hand. And that, that's really the foundation for healthy dialogue, yeah. conflict and all that. So I want to take a step back. Tell us about Alina as, as an organization, right? In terms of folk size and whatnot, so that our listeners can can get can, can understanding here. And then also about your position within the organization. Yeah. Alina Health is a health system based in Minnesota, headquartered in Minneapolis. And for the most part, we have, you know, hospitals here in the metro area, Minneapolis, St. Paul metro area, but we also have hospitals regionally located in in kind of more outskirts of Minnesota. But, you know, within a couple hundred miles of our location here in Minneapolis. And then we have over 100 clinics. So a lot of different specialties. But overall, Alina has about 28, 29,000 employees. And my responsibility is the director of employee benefits. And, you know, our, our true responsibility is to the employees in providing benefits that they, they value and not just the traditional ones. But, you know, we'll talk probably talk about some some of the kind of the newer benefits here, maybe in the future discussion here. But yeah, it's it's really an exciting time and challenging time as well. But making sure that we, we provide benefits that are valuable to all, not just a certain segment of the population. So, so certainly 27, 28,000 employees, you're managing an organization at, at scale, right? How would you describe the culture at Alina and then also specifically, you know, around well-being recognition? How, how do you think about that? Yeah. So, you know, as a healthcare organization, it starts with our, our guiding principles, our mission, which is, you know, providing outstanding care to, to our communities in which we serve. And, and really, that's where it starts. And, you know, with us over the last two years, we've all gone through and we continue to go through the pandemic. And it's really come to light the efforts our employees have gone above and beyond to serve our communities dealing with this pandemic. So, you know, recently, I would say, you know, with with all that going on, it's been really more important for us to, to also ingrain the culture of well-being within that, as well as recognition. You know, we have the whole person care model that we treat our our patients, but then we also have the whole person care for us mm-hmm. model, which is about us taking care of ourselves as employees and our families. Obviously, I think the 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 main thing there is obviously if we take care of ourselves, you know, it'll make it easier, and we'll be be able to better focus on treating our patients. And, and providing that whole person care. So, you know, with, with well-being, you know, we, we've really shifted dramatically over the last couple of years. And, you know, I think, you know, I can't speak for other employers, but for Alina, we, we used to focus well-being on more of a model around potentially savings, around, right? And, you know, that's really challenging to track and because you're essentially avoiding care, hopefully, or lessening the burden of care. Mm -hmm. And what we've done really is shifted that to a focus more on ingraining well-being within our culture. And so with that, we've we've gone away from a points-based well-being program where people, if they participate, they get points. And you know, if they meet certain point thresholds, then they get a reduction in premiums on their health plan premiums. And we've gone away from that. And the reason was is that we heard a lot of people say, well, I have to do this to get my reduction in premiums. I have to do it. 
And, you know, we really want people to have intrinsic goals. We want people to want to do it. And so what we did is we shifted that to essentially, we just gave people money, dollars. I think this year we gave $100. Last year we gave $250. And I said, you know, here's your dollars, spend them how you see fit towards well-being services or products. So last year I actually bought a rowing machine. And again, it th- there was no catch. I mean, you we just provided that money and employees had to or didn't have to, but they used those dollars on well-being products. And of course that well-being savings account was managed by our great partners at Thrive Pass, and and it, it was a great opportunity, and employees really enjoyed that. Again, it was about them deciding what they wanted to do with the money, and again, requ- there was no requirement on their end other than to spend it, which usually isn't a challenge. And then on top of that, we have oh, a full program, resource-rich program, in which you know we provide well-being programs and services outside of just providing them dollars. And so that, you know, that would focus on other things such as, you know, of course, the physical well-being portion of it, the financial well-being, social, spiritual, and mental. And so, again, the focus is really on them, the employees and their families, determining what they would like to do with their well-being goals. And and, and in, instead of focus, or I should say, instead of, of forcing them to kind of participate. So it's really completely a voluntary program now, but we've also expanded it because, you know, previously, like I said, it was tied to premiums for the health plan. So really the the only individuals that were focused on it were those that were in the health plan. And now we've expanded to all employees and all employees get dollars, all employees get access. And it's, you know, like I said, in terms of developing a culture that's gone a long ways and providing support to employees with essentially no catch and just, you know, and it's important. And then from a recognition standpoint, as I mentioned, the last two years, of course, have been really challenging and all of our employees have really answered the call is the best way I would say it. And, and, you know, we used to have a recognition program that, you know, was really on the the leader, the manager to reward them. And, you know, we didn't track it. We don't know, you know, consistently if leaders were providing those awards or, you know, some leaders were pretty good at it. Some didn't do any of it. And so we really wanted to develop a program that not only could we track it, but, you know, we could essentially provide a specific amount of money for our leaders for specifically just recognition. So uh, we, we launched Care on the Spot, of course, but we also have Above and Beyond, which provides gift cards. We have another one that provides even more funding, I think between $500 and $1,000. And then we also have team building account, which basically gives each leader a certain amount of money to do for building, you know, for team building events, whether it's just having a lunch during a team meeting or actually doing an activity like a top golf or, or something like that, where they can, you know, build that team camaraderie. So we, we have made a dedicated approach to making sure that there are essentially dedicated dollars for people to do that. And it's important at all times, but especially during this challenging moment during the pandemic. Again, that, that, that's so much here. Thank you for, for, for you know, outlining kind of like the, the challenge at the beginning and, and, and the strategy change. One thing that I did 
forget here to mention at the, uh, the beginning of the, the introduction is a really quick disclaimer to your point, Alina is, is this right fast client, right? So we have a long lasting relationship there. I wanted to go back to one point that you made. You described that the well-being program a couple of years ago was a more traditional point system, right? I do certain activities, I own my points, and then I might get a premium reduction or a gift card or whatnot. We're all familiar with, with, with that model. And, you know, that was shifted into what you described as a more inclusive, more holistic program based on choice. I would be interested to understand from a HR and from a leadership perspective, how did you evaluate and measure the the success of, of both approaches? And then maybe is there a voice of the employee, right? Is there a way for you to to quantify that, right, with, with the feedback that you're getting from, from your employees? Yeah. And I would say, you know, the previous approach, the points-based program approach, it was based on a number of things and a number of benchmarks and measurements that we took, you know, starting with participation and how many people achieved certain point status. And, 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 and then there were also some things we did a health assessment at the beginning and at the end, so we can understand maybe progress that was made. And, it, it, and all of it was self-reported, not, not that I don't trust their responses, but, you know, it, it was really, it was, it was challenging to understand the true impact of the program. And so, you know, again, that's kind of a different approach and again, you're looking for hopefully a reduction in medical expenses for the future. And it's really hard to measure ROI on that. And so Alina just dramatically changed the approach. And, you know, as a healthcare organization with the focus on well-being, I mean, that is part of our overall, that is our overall approach is around well-being. We thought it was important to really focus on not necessarily the ROI, because we know well-being is extremely important and has a a great impact on an individual's overall well-health. But, you know, let's make it less about kind of, you know, the forced participation, the characteristic, stick, right? And, 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 and provide those programs. And, and on top of that, let's provide them dollars to spend on how they see fit. So under the current program, we really, right now, it's, it's a organization-wide goal that we're, we, we are tracking and measuring the utilization are of our well-being dollars and also the programs that are offered. So it's really about uh, and nothing more. Obviously, as as the leader of the, the the benefits team, we we track other things and we have other important goals. But as an organization wide, uh, the, the true focus is really on making sure our employees utilize the services and programs as well as the dollars that we make available to them. And so, you know, that, that, that's our number one focus. And we're trying, our goal for 2022 is to increase our utilization for well-being dollars and programs by 35% from 21 to 22. So, you know, obviously I've, I haven't seen reporting through February, but, you know, I, I know through January, we had a good, we had a good start. So, and, and we'll continue. And, and that also helps us to understand, you know, how we want to focus our attention in terms of communication, education around the well-being program, and, and also supporting our leaders, because we also want to ingrained within the conversation leaders have with employees and making that part, like I said, part of the culture and part of the discussion that happens pretty regularly, not necessarily what are you doing for well-being, but how can we support your well-being and, and just 
and making sure that managers know how they can support their employees, where to go for information, and so on and so forth. And that's really what we focused on doing. I love data, right? My all of my employees know that. I love to 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 ask about numbers. So one thing that was interesting in what you outlined, new versus old program design. It sounded like in the new one, like the the key. KPI here is really utilization or engagement, how you wanna you wanna call that, right? Like I employees utilize the program. And you you describe that like in the traditional point system, the one of the goals was to reduce healthcare costs, right? And yep. it, it, it sounded like it was hard to to prove that. Was that because the healthcare costs per employee? was it stable throughout the years or was a challenge to correlate the data and say like, hey, we had certain activities that correlated to certain healthcare outcomes? It's, it's it, you know, you know we, I would say for the health plan spend has been at or below market in terms of trends, but I, I'd say it's more about correlating the data to, I mean, we, we there's so many things that, that, that employees, people do that impact their overall well-being, right? Lifestyle choices, right? So there are so many things. And so just our well-being program having impact on that, it's really hard to understand the true impact on, on somebody's overall, overall well-being. And really what you're trying to understand is how is the well-being program avoiding care down the line in, in years to come? And so it's really about avoidance and it's really hard to, you know, I haven't seen a real good model yet, but, you know, to understand what would have happened had somebody not participated in the well-being program. So, you know, it, you know, it's, it's a challenge. And, and quite frankly, you know, I, I, I love the fact that it's just about more about the culture because that's who we are as a healthcare organization and, and less focused on what's the ROI. I mean, you know, there, we, we look at, specific programs, ROIs, and things like that. So I don't want to completely dismiss it. But, you know, to, to us, it's really about, again, that culture of support and around one's journey and making sure that they feel supported. That, that, that makes sense. Specifically, what, what you outlined there, it's, it's a multivariable problem, right? It's challenging to solve. And then also, to a certain degree, you know, in, investments into your house long term oftentimes, right? So it's, it's, it's hard sometimes to see the... Well, Another way of looking at it, how I look at it from avoidance of care is how do you predict if somebody's going to have a heart attack 10, right. 15 years down the road if they don't participate in the well-being program? I mean, that's kind of what you're predicting when you're trying to think about ROI. I mean, that's that's a very dramatic example, but that is one example that it's hard to understand. Oh, McCain, if you, if you continue on this current lifestyle without any well-being intervention, you're going to have a heart attack in 10 minutes, years. I mean, if somebody, if there was an actual predictor to a T of that type of event, you know, I think it would be very important for everyone to know that to read the future, but nobody knows for sure. And, you know, also you just don't, you don't know exactly what certain lifestyle choices have an impact on, on individuals' well-being. Yes, and it's much more than physical, too. The other thing I so, want to mention is it's really, it, you know, our well-being program is more than just the physical health. It's the mental health, like I said, the financial health, the social health, the spiritual health. So, you know, that's really hard to measure as well. Now, I want to I want to go back. I want to go and, and dive a little bit more into specifically some of the mental health challenges later in our discussion. Now, I want to 
take us back to the earlier conversation you mentioned you know the the pandemic right and clearly the the pandemic was hard for everyone right on a personal level with their families at work but specifically obviously there was a very hard challenge for for the healthcare industry right and you know we're all grateful for the nurses the doctors for for the entire staff what what they went through right and, and that time yes. how they serve the communities but like you know for for the listeners that might not be in the healthcare sector describe to us maybe like what what went your staff through doing those what what were the the challenges that you saw on a day-to-day basis you know and i uh... And I will admit, I'm not a clinician. I, I actually, you know, I work for a healthcare organization. I During the whole, whole pandemic here, I've been working from home while a lot of our employees outside of, you know, the corporate folks have been on the front line. And so, it, you know, so I, I don't want to speak firsthand. So it's really the individuals, like you said, the, the physician, the, the nurses, and all the folks that provide, you know, janitorial all the folks that have been in those hospitals, those clinics, and it's and it's been a challenge because not only that you have those challenges that you mentioned in terms of a personal level of, you know, you know, schools closing for people with children and and unable to do this or that because of the pandemic, but then on top of that, your position is really on the front lines of helping treat the community or help treat yeah like treat the community with. COVID, right? And so it's been really challenging. And fortunately, you know, we, I, I hope we've gotten through the worst of it. I pray that we have, but you know, a month and two or two ago, it was hard to find an ICU bed here in the metro area in Minnesota altogether. And that's not just a line of facilities that's all across the board. And so, you know, we had people again, working long, you know, lurk, working their typical shifts, but also picking up more because there have been staffing shortages. On top of that, you of course have people who have, may have been exposed to COVID who have to stay home. So, you know, everyone is filling in for each other and they've really been backing each other up. And I mean, I, you know, I, I, again, I've been working from home, but I have been so proud of the people that work here at Alina Health. And their ability to, you know, like I said, rise up and support our community through this extremely challenging time. And they've done it very well. And, but, you know, it's, it's been a challenge and, and, you know, as an organization, been trying to find unique ways to support our employees. And, and and while they're supporting, again, providing whole person care for them while they're providing whole person care for our employees or for our patients. So again, I think kind of in terms of what you're asking, what has the been the it light? It has what has it been like? Extremely challenging. Extremely challenging and and all the credit goes to those folks who are in our clinics and hospitals and and our labs, I should also mention, everywhere that have been really stepping up and like is answering the call of supporting our community. And then, you know, for, for those who, who are part of the, the, the ecosystem that live in Minnesota, on top of the, the pandemic and all of those challenges, there, there was a shooting, I believe, in, in one of the clinics, right? That, that yeah. added grief to yep. the organization, right? Traumatic events. How do you, as an organization, navigate that incredibly difficult time? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, about a, a little over a year ago, we, 
had a very tragic event at our Buffalo clinic here in Buffalo, Minnesota, where, yeah, there was a shooting. One of our employees lost their lives and a few others were wounded. And then, of course, all the others were impacted as well in terms of either being on site or working with each other. And, and it's it, it, that, that's been challenging, extremely challenging. And then, and then, you know, the other thing I want to mention too, in terms of other challenges outside of the pandemic is, is, you know, the George Floyd situation, I won't call situation, the murder of George Floyd. And that took place not too far from our corporate headquarters in our flagship hospital at uh, Abbott Northwestern. And so that, that had, and of course the subsequent riots after that were very, very much in our community. And so it's it's been a real challenge. And what I would say is as an organization, we're a family is probably the best way to say it. And everyone's been there to support each other. And, you know, there's no magic formula that, or there's nothing, as far as I know, of that can prepare you for those types of events or any of these events, the pandemic, the shooting, you know, the, the situa- situation with George Floyd and subsequent riots after that. It's there's no way to prepare for that. And so, you know, our leadership has been very impactful and very positive in providing support, having open dialogue and, and providing people with grace to kind of be in touch and try to understand how they're dealing with the situation. And of course, we as an organization have also, and as a benefits team has been trying to be there to support employees through programs, services, whether it's EAP or other programs that we offer. And sometimes we had to get creative to support those employees. And, you know, it's been a real challenge, but again, I'm really proud of how the organization has responded. And quite frankly, it does make me very proud. And just thinking about that, it, you know, I'm not an emotional guy. It kind of does make me a little bit of emotional just thinking about all the challenges our organization has had to go through over the last couple of years. It has made us stronger. It has, we've built a, I think, a bigger bond with our community and, and we continue to strive to improve the care uh, of our patients, but also making a bigger impact in our community. Again, I want to I wanna thank you for, for, for your openness here, right? These are certainly extremely difficult topics, times, right, for the organization and, and very, very emotional, right? As it yeah. comes to, you know, the, the pandemic and you and I had a few discussions beforehand, right? Like how can you, how can you support essentially the, the staff on a day-to-day basis, right, to to handle difficult times that inevitably come up in life, right? The the one thing that that you know stuck out to me was the concept of resilience, right? And oh, yeah. uh, so so maybe speak a little bit like about that, what what that means to you and the organization. Yeah, the organization, our employees have been very resilient. Always have been, but you've really shown that over the last couple of years. And and that to me is really adapting quickly and and, and you know being able to you know, essentially move on to the next patient, to the next day, and to be able to provide that high level of support or care for our patients and one another, our employees, no matter what. And, you know, it's been, you know, again, I've been, I'm proud of the team I work on. I'm and overall proud of Alina Health and the level of resiliency. But I think with that, you know, we, we as an organization have had to rise up in terms of now focusing on, you know, like I said, supporting our employees to allow them the space and grace to to basically recharge or or 
or allow them to be as resilient, resilient as they have been. And so, you know, we've had, we as an organization have had to adapt very quickly by providing unique benefits. You know, I think one example I might want to bring up around benefits that we've done specifically, that's my forte, is, you know, we offered a free shipped membership. So grocery delivery membership to all of our employees. You know, obviously during the pandemic, it's very, you know, we we wanted to limit exposure, but we also wanted the probably the biggest thing was, you know, like I said, employees had been working long hours every day, day in, day out. And, you know, one less thing to, to worry about is going to the grocery store. If you have a ship membership and, you know, all you have to do is go onto your app and, and order that. And so that's one example of how we've quickly adapted and, and creatively thought of solutions to support our employees. Another one is, is you know, like I said before, I think childcare has been a challenge as well as elder care. And we've provided enhanced benefits around that. And we've also enhanced our benefits on the medical plan as well, beyond what was required by the federal government. So we, we've, we've really tried to do whatever we can that's in the best interest of our employees. And, and I, w- I would say, I want to say last fall, our chief HR officer, Christine Moore, she went through basically a full timeline uh, over the last couple of years and illustrated all the different points in which we have made changes, positive changes to to help our employees, whether, like I said, adding these types of programs or or adding a COVID-19 leave so people don't have to use their PTO, you know, and a lot of organizations had to do something similar where we had to maybe for financial reasons, pause a plan. And, you know, we were no different. And then when we brought it back, which we did, we brought everything back. We not only brought it back, at the level it was before, but in many cases, we also enhanced it even more. So, you know, I think for us, to me, uh, resiliency starts with the employees themselves. And like I said, providing them space and grace, but also, you know, providing them the tools and resources that allow them to essentially recharge. And, you know, obviously it starts with their overall mission in terms of everyone's sole focus has been obviously the, the, the overall mission of the line of health, which is, you know, providing care and supporting our community. I say that quite a bit, but it's true. And, but then on top of that, like I said, we've been providing tools and resources to also assist in any other way we can to our employees to, to allow them to be resilient, whether it's actually resilient programs or other mindfulness training techniques, or, you know, you know, virtual care options. So you name it. I feel like over the last two years, and I'm probably we're probably not alone in terms of employers, but we've been, you know, we've seen developments and enhanced our benefit offerings so much in the last two years because we've had to and we wanted to than at, at any other point in time, probably. And, you know, that's a good thing. And that also shows the resiliency of the organization. And like I said, standing up and, and supporting our employees when they needed to be. Yeah, thanks for making this very tangible here, right? In terms of benefits and, and tools you offer to the employees might work as some inspirations, right? Or ideations for, for our community here. One of the, the aspects that I want to dig in a little bit deeper and understand your thoughts around is mental well-being. 
right? So specifically in the, the context of what you are, what you're describing, right? I'm sure that anxiety, depression, all of things, you know, unfortunately are part, right, of our, our daily life. And fortunately, I feel like, you know, the, the stigma around that topic has changed in a, in a positive way, right? We can, we can have these these discussions, right? We can we can be more transparent about it. From the benefit side, are there specific changes that you have either implemented in the last couple of years, right? Or you are thinking about for the future and considering? Yeah, that's a great question. So what I'll say is mental health, mental well-being is probably one of our biggest focuses. And so, you know, that is something that uh, we've had a lot of dialogue with internal, external resources. And, and what I'll say is line of health is, let me start by saying that in terms of the stigma, a line of health about five, six, seven, eight years ago, I can't remember the exact date, we made it a concerted effort to destigmatize mental health. And it was fascinating to see and uh, great to see because with that effort, we saw a huge increase in our mental health resources in terms of benefits. And we deem, you know, we deem that as a very good thing because the utilization was, you know, mostly around, you know, outpatient or professional settings. So we were very proud to see that actually increase because like I said, people were comfortable being able to go talk to professionals about their mental health. And and that was one step. So I, I you know, we, we kind of are a little bit ahead of that road, right? But we have lots of work to do. And what I will say as a healthcare organization, we are resource rich with mental health services. But that, to me, that really means nothing if, if your employees don't know how to get to those resources. So, you know, what I would say is there, there are a few things here we're working on. And one is, is, you know, what is the best way that employees can access all of these programs? Is there a single shop? Or, you know, because right now we do have you know, more or less through our well-being program, a single space where it has all of our resources around mental health, as well as many other well-being resources. But is there another way? Is there, do we need to provide a little bit more support around navigation, concierge? And so, you know, that that is one of the things that's a challenge because probably most benefit professionals would say employees, for the most part, don't have as much focus on benefits until they actually need them. Right. And so then when they need them, it, it, there's some point of research and trying to find it and trying to find the right one. And again, with us having a, a lot of resources around mental health, it's, it's, it can be a little bit of a challenge around which, which resource is the right one for me. So, you know, that is one of the challenges that we've had. We've had some great conversations and, and dialogue with, like I said, with our internal mental health service line, with vendors that specialize in that, we've, with our consultants and a lot of other folk leaders within the organization. So we continue to really push on what we're going to try to do there. The other thing I would like to mention as well is really our renewed approach around DE&I. And that's the other thing is, you know, I don't know if there is a single approach that works for everyone because every, you know, everyone's an individual and obviously sees things differently, processes things differently, has different needs. And, and then on top of that, if you figure out on top of that, then there's also, you know, different cultural impacts and, and things and, you know, maybe language barriers. 
there is it's a, it is a one thing that I'm very proud of a line of health and another one of those things that I'm proud of a line of health is really again the focus on how how can we make these these benefits impactful to all and 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 we've really made some good efforts to engage others with our ERGs our DEI folks to help us navigate through some of that again to try to make these benefits impactful for all and not just for a certain segment of the population and especially around mental health so there are a lot of things going on there again you know we have your traditional EAP but we also have the great partnership with our mental health service line and our well-being programs and resources. We also have the Penny George Institute for Health and Healing. So there are lots of resources internally and just putting them together that our employees can properly consume them and properly navigate them. And we haven't quite figured that out, but that is one of the, the, the bigger challenges we have for that because, you know, I can only imagine, you know, I can think of myself here, you know, being at home for two years there has been some mental challenges with that lack of socialization and stuff like that. And who knows when we'll get back to the office if, if we will full time, but you know, the, the folks at within our clinics and hospitals, you know, they've been dealing with a lot more impactful things in their life. And, and, and we just want to make sure that we have resources that they can access pretty easily to help them manage some of those, those items that they need to deal with from a mental health standpoint. Yeah, it's interesting what, what you just mentioned about working from home, right? This obviously doesn't apply like for, for, for the clinical stuff, right? But, you know, on the one hand, it, it, it certainly provides a lot of, you know, flexibility, right? And I, I save half an hour to drive to work and, and whatnot. But there, there's certainly also the other side to it, right? The lack of communication, right? Of being together with, with, with your colleagues, right? And it will be interesting to see what kind of like second level consequences we'll, we'll see from that over time. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I'm no expert by any stretch of the imagination, but to me, probably the biggest thing that comes out of this is after the pandemic is the importance of mental health because, you know, it, it dramatically shifted how many people live their lives on a day-to-day basis. And then on top of that, for our employees and uh, not just our employees, but for our employees working on the front lines, what they've had to deal with over the last couple of years, not only the long hours, but the anguish. And uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's something that, you know, like I said, I feel like we have the great resources. It's just making sure we, we package them and our, and people can access them as easily as we'd like them to. So that, that, that last point about like, you know, it seems like a lot of resources, a lot of the benefits are there, yeah. but the question is like, how to make it easy to access them? How do you make it easy to find them and, and whatnot in, in different languages? for different socioeconomic classes and whatnot. You know, from what I'm reading between the lines here, this is a main focus for you and for the organization maybe over the next year or so. So my open invite to you, McCain, to come back on the show in a year from now when that problem is solved and you can you can you can tell us, you know, about that. But in all seriousness, what what I would love to hear from you is there's such a diverse set of challenges that you were describing today and that you and the team was working on right over the last couple of years what have been 
sources of knowledge and inspiration support for you, right? Whether that is peer groups, conferences, partners, and, and, and whatnot. Yeah. So, you know, there's so many different resources. I think it's first and foremost starts with their leaders and also the employees themselves, you know, from an employee standpoint, making sure we listen to them and, and, and understand their needs and wants and what we can do to better support them and, and our leaders as well. I mean, without, but the, I would also say our leaders have been very supportive of our approach. And as I mentioned, we've been able to stand up some unique benefit sets that over the last couple of years that probably we've been doing it in such a timely or very fast fashion, more faster than we've ever done things. And we wouldn't have been able to do that without our, our leaders. But so I'd start by saying we listen to our employees, what they need. And then, you know, it really goes to, you know, kind of a large group of, of things, you know, relying on other professionals and in in the benefits field, you know, making sure we stay connected with what others are doing. I mean, it's what I would say is uh, when when we're we're doing something, I, I'm not I'm not hiding anything. I'm proud of the work we do, and if that work also can be done through another, if they so choose, then by all means, if they find that it would be beneficial, I think there we don't there's no secrets with us. So you know, I think it's important for us to connect and we do that pretty regularly with other professionals in the field and not only within the benefits world but also other benefits professionals within the healthcare industry so that's one another way and then you know i think connecting with you know consultants and then also vendors there have been a lot of startups which has been great over the last handful of years and so i think it's it behooves us to understand and and learn from those startups in terms of what what they're solving for and and how potentially it could put fit into what we're trying to do as an organization what problems we're trying to solve for so i mean i feel like there's answers almost everywhere you know to some degree you just got to be having your ears open and being able to listen to them and i think that's been kind of our focus is just trying to make sure we hear all all of what's going on all around us and trying to figure out a strategy that works for a line of health. Yeah, th- thanks for, for, for that answer. And one of the things that, so one of my goals here was, was the podcast is as well for the community of, of you know, HR professionals and, and leaders to to connect, right? And, yep. and share some of these ideas. So McCain, if somebody wants to brainstorm with you, pick your brain on some of the concepts that we discussed today. What's what's the best way to connect with you? Yeah, shoot me an email. McCain, M-E-A-I-N dot Johnson, S-O-N at Alina.com. Alina spelled A-L-L-I-N. Perfect. McCain, thank you so much for your time today. I want to, we obviously dicked into some difficult topics today, right? Certainly grateful and and thankful for for your openness and transparency here. Thank you. It's been a, a pleasure. This podcast is sponsored by ThrivePass, a trusted HR partner for innovative benefits technology. From lifestyle spending accounts to pre-tax to COBRA administration, ThrivePass has you covered. We personalize benefits. You thrive as the employer of choice. More at thrivepass.com.